Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. We humans are finite creatures. We have limited time, energy, and capacity for relationship. This can become very apparent in our efforts to create and maintain deep relationships. There are only so many hours in a day, and we can sometimes find ourselves overextended in trying to serve the sometimes clashing needs and desires of our partners as well as ourselves. The resulting stresses and pressures are especially evident in polyamorous relationships, in which interactions with multiple partners need to be equitably balanced and managed. In this episode, we'll explore the interactions between two key elements in intimate relationships, the extent of our emotional commitment to our partner or partners, and the scope of the emotional connections we try to maintain in our lives. We'll describe each of these elements and then we'll take a look at the combinations in which they may appear in our close relationships. What does it mean to be emotionally committed to someone? From my perspective, commitment has to do with how much we invest ourselves in our partner. The notion of investing rightly connotes that we take some portion of our personal resources, such as our time or our energy or our availability for relationship, and we allocate those to a particular person. Because those resources are finite, this necessarily means that there's less of each available to subsequently invest in others. While it may be true that love is infinite, that doesn't mean that our ability to make that love tangible in the lives of the people who are important to us is also limitless. If you believe, as I do, that love is a verb, that is, that our partners can't really perceive and benefit from our love unless we actualize it in the things we do for and with our partners, then we would be wise to be very deliberate in who we make emotional commitments to and in what we effectively promise them. In a very real sense, when we make an emotional commitment to someone, we are sharing a portion of our heart with them. We certainly wouldn't want to disappoint our partner by breaching this commitment. Similarly, we wouldn't want to find ourselves torn by conflicting emotional commitments to different people. Those who are in an uncommitted relationship are obviously not incapable of commitment. Their current relationship just does not currently feature emotional commitment. That may come later, or it may never develop. Single people are currently either in an uncommitted relationship or they are not in relationship. In addition to considering where and how much emotional commitment to make in our relationships, we also face a choice of how we want to allocate our emotional connections. That is, we can choose to make commitments to entire populations of people or we can focus on just one or perhaps a few. At least in my experience, there's a trade-off in how much depth of emotional connection one can achieve based on how many close relationships one focuses on. Again, that's a consequence of our finite capacities. In this case, our capacity for emotional connection. With one or very few people, one can go deep and attain a level of connection that greatly exceeds that of wider group connections. Conversely, connecting with a greater number of people offers a breadth of variety that exceeds that available in any single person or in a very small group of people. Our choice as to breadth of emotional connection reflects our personal goals, desires, and preferences. Different possible combinations of emotional commitment with the scope of emotional commitment can result in a very different emotional experience. No one such combination is right or best, Rather, a person's relationship goals and preferences may favor one particular combination. 
To explore this systematically, we can depict the interactions between emotional commitment and emotional connection scope as a four-quadrant diagram that shows the four different combinations of level of emotional connection with breadth of emotional connection. We will examine each of the quadrants of the diagram to get a flavor of the kinds of intimate relationships that each represents. At a high level, though, the bottom row of the diagram depicts single relationships, while the upper row represents committed relationships. For uncommitted, broad-scope relationships, that quadrant of the diagram depicts relationships that are uncommitted and which can span a large population of people. That's a good description for the relationships of people who are dating, presumably in search of relationships in which they may later consider becoming emotionally committed. As one type of uncommitted relationship, this class of relationship applies to someone who is single. A person may have this sort of relationship with multiple and perhaps many partners. Considering uncommitted narrow-scope relationships, that quadrant describes relationships in which deep emotional commitment does not yet exist, but which may exist between a person and one or perhaps a few partners. That sort of relationship is exemplified by those who have progressed from dating to courting. It also describes deep friendships, in which there may well be emotional bonds between friends, but no deep emotional commitment of the sort found in partnered relationships. Because of the lack of deep emotional commitment, we can consider the participant in such a relationship to be single. In the first type of emotionally committed relationship, a person who is in a deeply committed emotional relationship has made emotional commitments to a large number of people, perhaps to a particular population. That scenario describes one of the types of polyamory, which means loving multiple people or having many loves. Because of the potentially large number of people involved, I think of this kind of polyamory as community polyamory. I also think of this as broad polyamory to describe the wide focus of partnerships that this style of polyamory entails. One of the earmarks of this type of polyamory is that its practitioners tend to focus on their personal freedom and independence. That is necessary if they are to be able to engage with a large number of partners and if they are to have full, unfettered choice as to who they relate with and how. Many such practitioners prefer a non-hierarchical form of polyamory in which all partners are, at least in theory, given equal value and equal treatment. Another common trait in this type of relationship is a focus on individuality and on self-determination. In each relationship, the practitioner tends to focus on their individual perspective and goals rather than on broad life goals shared with a partner. I takes precedence over we, though of course that does not mean that the practitioner doesn't consider the desires and goals of their partner. Since commitment is spread over potentially many people, the directions favored by a particular partner pairing are diluted by the directions favored by other partner pairings. That reality favors the common denominator that's shared across the multiple partners, which are the goals and directions of the practitioner. Because our capacity for relationship is limited, and because depth of connection is spread more or less evenly across partners in this broad form of polyamory, this style makes it difficult to establish an especially deep level of emotional connection with any particular partner. In a way, this is what makes it possible for a broad polyamorist to maintain a large number of emotional commitments. Of course, different people have different capacities for emotional connection, so the resulting multiple connections may range from fairly emotionally shallow to relatively deep. From a compatibility perspective, 
Those who favor this type of relationship are likely to be happiest and most satisfied with others of this same class. Such people can find a wealth of potentially satisfying connections within the group that they frequent, where others within that group are also seeking connections. The broad scope orientation is likely to work less well with those who favor narrow scope relationships, since the broad scope practitioner would probably find the narrow scope preferences to be too confining and offering too little variety. The final kind of relationship that we need to review is that which includes highly emotionally committed relationships, which are focused on only one or perhaps a very few partners. That is an apt description of traditional monogamous relationships. It also describes what I think of as coupled or narrow polyamory, to contrast with the style of broad polyamory previously described. Narrow polyamorous relationships are coupled in that the practitioner has a pair-oriented, deep, emotionally committed relationship with their one or very few partners. Often there is only one such partner, though there may be other partners who do not receive the same deep level of commitment. In this style of relationship, both members of a couple focus on the entity of us that they create together. While each partner retains their individual goals and desires, they each direct much of their emotional energy toward the other partner, creating trust, mutual validation, and affection that strengthen the relationship. Us receives ample mindshare to complement the individual I focus of each partner. Because narrow polyamory involves fewer partners than does broad polyamory, the partners in a narrow relationship can often develop deeper levels of commitment and sharing than what is possible in the more diffuse, broad relationships. Again, it comes down to a matter of how the finite relationship energy of each participant is to be allocated. Those in a narrow relationship have more time and energy available to share with one or few partners. Narrow relationships aren't better than broad relationships, nor is it the other way around. It's a matter of the relative importance and value that each partner puts on novelty and variety versus potentially greater and richer depth of connection, but with fewer people. Personal relationship tastes and goals vary, and that's fine. From a compatibility perspective, those who favor narrow-scope relationships are probably happiest with other narrow-scope practitioners with whom they can share common goals, dreams, and desires. A pair of narrow-scope partners can dive to unusual depths in exploring each other and the world. However, the narrow-scope perspective may not be especially compatible with the broad-scope perspective, which the narrow-scope practitioner may find too superficial or too uncommitted to be fully satisfying. In summary, there are several different ways in which people can exercise emotional commitment, with differing numbers of people. Emotional commitment styles vary, in keeping with the personal preferences and goals of those in relationship. There is no one-size-fits-all style of emotional connection. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group, the Two Open Doors meetup group, and the Two Open Doors website and blog at twoopendoors.com. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors. Two Open Doors.